Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Hello, testing. Okay, good. Is the traffic okay? I kept hearing the traffic report. Uh, listen, I love uh, I love the news. The last thing I think we need anymore are the traffic reports, all right? I mean, they need to go away. I mean, I, 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 does anybody listen to the radio and plan their commute around the traffic report? Everybody has Waze now. Everybody has Google. You put in the address. It tells you which way to turn, go this way, go that way, or it leads you right into the traffic, whatever you want. I remember in college, the whole damn thing was messed up even back then. I would be sitting on the Throg's Neck Bridge. It would tell me, take the Throg's Neck. Whatever you do, take the Throg's Neck. Avoid the White Stone. And I would take the Throg's Neck. And guess what was backed up? The Throg's Neck gets what was running free and clear the White Stone. Sometimes, If you do the opposite of what they tell you to do in those traffic reports, you might be okay. Uh, in the meantime, uh, <laughs> uh, what do we do? You know what? Joe is not a leader. That's the big problem, all right? He's, there are three things you got to understand about uh, President Biden. Uh, number one, he's not a leader. All of his life he's been one of a hundred, one of a staff, one of a uh, – he's never done anything remotely like being in charge before, all right? Uh, not a businessman, has no clue about how the real world works. He Business to him is a bunch of uh, receptions, receptions at which people promise to give him checks and he promises to do certain favors, okay? Nice receptions, usually catered, sometimes very highly liquored receptions, all right? So uh, not a businessman, not a leader, and also he's not honest. He lies like people breathe. He really does. We have a million examples of that going back to his earliest, earliest days. You've seen the footage when he's standing there boasting about all the colleges he did not go to, all the degrees he does not have. And even today with this uh, announcement, we are not buying oil anymore from Russia. You think? That would be a good idea. It's it's a relatively small amount of uh, barrels we're talking about. What is it, 600,000 barrels a day, I think, which is, in the big picture, not all that much. It certainly is symbolic. And it certainly wasn't his idea. Joe Manchin was talking about it uh, two weeks ago. Uh, We're not leading. Joe's not comfortable leading. He could cajole. He can beg. He can plead a little bit. um, But he's not a leader. All right. Do we have any of that sound from this morning? Just a little while ago, he announced the uh, this not an embargo, but we're stopping. Go ahead. Go ahead and give me some. Today, I'm announcing the United States is targeting the main artery of Russia's economy. We're banning all imports of Russian oil and gas and energy. That means Russian oil will no longer be acceptable at U.S. ports, and the American people will deal another powerful blow to Putin's war machine. This is a move that has strong bipartisan support in the Congress and, I believe, in the country. All right. You know, I have mixed feelings about it, actually. Uh, because, well, I paid $90 to fill up my not-so-big car. 
about two weeks ago. When you pay that much, it does – you do think twice about getting in the car and just driving around or going to the st- – you do. $90. Now, somebody who doesn't really care too much about that are people who get driven where the gas is already paid for. People like Joe Biden, people like Kamala Harris, people like Tony Blinken. What do they care from fuel prices, really? They're never going to feel it in their, you know, in their in their pocket, in their gut. This is that time, and this is why a lot of them are in politics for this brief, shining moment when they have power, they have clout, and they have perks. Oh, they love it. They love it. So right now, you and me, we know more about the oil situation than Joe Biden, Kamala, and uh, Tony Blinken. Let's see here. Uh, Give me another. Cut 35. This is just from this morning. Cut 35. Thus far, we've provided more than $1 billion in security assistance to Ukraine. Shipments of defensive weapons are arriving in Ukraine every day from the United States, and we, the United States, are the ones coordinating the delivery of our allies and partners of similar uh, weapons from Germany to Finland to the Netherlands. Um, It would have been nice if you did not shut down the delivery of weapons shortly after you got into office, Joe, because you did. We'll talk about it tonight on the Newsmax show, but we have documentation that shows that Joe Biden turned off lethal aid to Ukraine. They were very, very clever. They started calling it security assistance. They started calling it uh uh, support of the defense of the, but no, they got rid of the javelin missiles. That's what they really needed. That's what Trump gave him. That's what Obama wouldn't give him. All little clip. This is what you get when you have a dishonest president. All these little games. Now, um, then he then he starts to speak really fast. Uh, do me a favor, give me cut thirty eight. Russia's aggression is costing us all. And it's no time for profiteering or price gouging. I want to be clear about what we'll not tolerate. But I also want to acknowledge those firms and oil and gas industries that are pulling out of Russia and joining other businesses that are leading by example. This is a time when we have to do our part and make sure we're not taking we're not taking advantage. Hmm. Sounds okay. He's always impressed with these like half measures. You know, it's always all working out. Eh? And they're doing their part, and it's going to work out. Um, some people interpreted that as uh, price controls, and that's another thing. I don't like Joe Biden getting involved in. Again, he doesn't understand business. He doesn't understand much of anything other than asking for money and doing favors and smiling with all those stupid false teeth in his face. Give me one more, then I want to be done with this guy. Cut 37. Yes? What's this? That's a hell of a sound bite. Good morning, folks. Sorry to keep you waiting. I was on a couple of phone calls. Today, I'm announcing the United States is targeting the main artery of Russia's economy. We're banning all imports of Russian oil and gas and energy. That means Russian oil will no longer be acceptable at U.S. ports. All right, we got that already. We already knew that. Hey, by the way, I was told by a very high-ranking security official not too long ago that in the run-up to this war, did you notice that Team Biden was like, it's just a matter of moments before Vladimir Putin invades Ukraine. He's going to do it any second now. That was not necessary. And in the, he didn't have to say all that stuff. It looked like he was just con, 
just totally consumed with not looking as inept as he did in the run-up to our withdrawal from Afghanistan. He didn't want to be wrong. He was more interested in saying, you see, I told you so, than in preventing this whole damn thing. And last night on my Newsmax show, did you see it? Did you see it? I showed you statement after statement of Tony Blinken and Joe Biden uh, warming up to the idea of Ukraine in NATO. Well, that sounds great, right? NATO's our friends and alliance. And the world is a bit more complicated than that. You can talk to Henry Kissinger, who said that the any entertaining of Ukraine joining NATO would be very provocative to the Russians. And he didn't say it last week. He didn't say it last month. He said it in 1995. And, of course, Joe, though, it just feels good in the moment. Uh, what do they call it? Situational ethics. You know, it just felt good when he was in Ukraine. And why the hell did Joe Biden get the Ukraine in his portfolio? It was one of the countries he was responsible for. That and China. I spend more time with President Xi than any other leader. Right? All that stuff. Now, Ukraine, when it was in Joe's portfolio, was one of the top three most corrupt countries on Earth. On Earth. Uh, Ernst and Young did a study, and they said these are the three most corrupt countries on Earth. Let me see. It was Ukraine, it was Colombia, and it was another South American country. I don't want to name it because I can't read it wrong, but Colombia was definitely on the list, and so was uh, Ukraine. How about that? I'll take care of those guys. Give me that. Give me responsibility for that. Uh, very strange. In the meantime, folks, as the world is going to hell... Our city is totally, totally lost. Um, it's it's fun for the media, I guess. I saw a clip yesterday. They're actually applauding and ooing and eyeing that, again, Eric Adams eats uh, vegetarian sushi or something like that. or vegeta- He was having a vegan sausage, and they were making a big deal out of it. And then there goes Eric Adams. He's skateboarding, and they're making a big deal out of that. Eric Adams walks down the street. They're making a big deal out of that. You guys remember Marsha Kramer? She's still on the news. She's on Channel 2. And this is this is not a dumb person. This is a gutsy person. This is the one uh, on like, I guess it was like maybe two or three months into de Blasio's term. She followed him in his car. Followed him. It was fantastic. And you know what she saw? He was blowing off stop signs, he was blowing off traffic lights, and he was speeding all over town. Now, what's the big deal about that? Well, in and of itself, it's a big deal, but it was even worse with him. As the mayor, you know what he was pushing at that point? Vision Zero. We're going to eliminate all traffic fatalities by the year uh, 2020. (laughs) That did not work. In fact, it all went up. And I see her running around uh, eating ice cream with Eric Adams. And look at Eric. Look at him go. And now he wants to ride a skateboard. And isn't that fun? And everyone's giving him credit for ending mask mandates. Well, the entire country has ended them. Except, however, Eric still says that kids five and under have to wear masks to school. Those are the people who are most in need of seeing your entire face and having their face exposed. Emotional intelligence. Isn't Eric always talking about emotional intelligence? And oh, by the way, where the hell is his police commissioner? There's a big story in the Times about her uh, a couple of days ago. 
and they're afraid to say the obvious. They're hinting at it throughout the article. But the truth is this. She's a figurehead. And that's it. Eric wants to run everything, although he doesn't know how to run anything. So she gets to, uh, well, she hasn't done a press conference yet. Can you imagine that? The police commissioner. I mean, we got a lot of crime and she's not talking about it right now. Hasn't done that yet. Uh, Nothing independent of the mayor must be with the mayor. That's something that's that's not a good arrangement. Not at all. So she's still doing her thing. The other thing I wanted to. Oh, don't forget this. One of the reasons why Putin chose to invade Ukraine is because, yes, of January 6th. Joe Biden says, oh, he saw we were disunified and he took advantage of it. He actually said that last week. No, the real thing is this. We lost our moral high ground. We are now down on their level. We have political prisoners. We have censorship. We are prosecuting people for having done nothing. We're throwing people in jail for not breaking anything and not hurting anybody. And you know who they just got? Uh, What's his name again? Enrique Tarrio. Enrique Tarrio was the head of the Proud Boys. Oh, the Proud Boys, they're white supremacists. No, they're not. No, they are not. Enrique Tarrio is Afro-Cuban. The fake news tells you that it's uh, white supremacy. The head of the whole damn organization is Afro-Cuban. One of their many, many, many lies. A fake news lie. All of it about the Proud Boys. And they are being persecuted, persecuted and prosecuted. They just arrested this guy again for conspiracy to conspiracy to conspire, to think about, to maybe disrupt a governmental proceeding. Um, any confirmation hearing I've ever seen has involved <laughs> disruption of governmental proceedings. I guess it was OK to interrupt the hearings of Kavanaugh. Remember that? The more the merrier. Nobody got thrown in jail. Oh, speaking of which, it is amazing who's going to jail and who's not going to jail. Remember those NYPD vans that were firebombed? You know the people who firebombed them? They ain't going to jail. Home confinement for six months. That's it. Home confinement. No jail for torching an NYPD vehicle. And, oh, by the way, they started to torch it, and they burned the front seat, but they saw that the whole vehicle wasn't burned. So they turned around and went back and threw another Molotov cocktail inside. And still, they don't get jail time. Be right back. The Greg Kelly Show. So uh, what do we think? What do we think? What do we think? Um, Jill Biden, Jill, Dr. Jill Biden, not a real doctor. I love saying she's not a real doctor because she's not a real doctor. Uh, went to uh, California to give a speech. Why is she going anywhere? She's flying on government airplanes like she's Evita Peron. She's waving to everybody, getting off the uh, big jet that says United States of America. Shouldn't we have a rule that she only travels with her husband? I mean, that seems like a little much. What does she do? Has have first ladies always gotten this perk? flying around the country, giving political speeches. What she gave today was a political speech. She said that, uh, first she said, moment of silence for the people of Ukraine. All right, that's fine. That's not political. Totally okay with that. Then, 
Then, uh-oh, uh-oh, oh, shoot. You ever text the wrong person? <laughs> you ever mean to text somebody, but you text somebody else? Yeah, I'm in one of those little, uh, yikes, oh, boy. Uh, it could have been worse. <laughs> it could have been worse. All right, now where was it? Oh, yes, Jill. Jill says, uh, you know, Joe, he unified the country and it really needed all that unity after four years of chaos and all that terrible stuff. That in and of itself is not unifying. That's disunifying. You know, a lot of us really like Trump and we miss him. We really do. And uh, oh, by the way, Trump, he's not letting us forget him. No way. Who needs Twitter? He's churning out these email statements all the time. This one just came a few moments ago. The fake news media refuses to report that I was the one who very early and strongly gave the anti-tank busters, javelins, javelin missiles, to Ukraine while Obama and Biden was giving blankets. While Obama slash Biden was giving blankets. Seems like it should say were, but he's right. It was. Was giving blankets. To great and open complaints. Then Biden came in and canceled the remaining military equipment that was packed, loaded, and ready to be shipped. Now the fake news media is trying to say that Trump gave Ukraine nothing, and it was Biden who is their great friend and gave them weaponry. The dishonesty is so unbelievable. All I can do is report it. Good for you. Good for you, because the fake news will not report it. They will lie. They'll they'll never give Trump credit. I still don't understand why the hell that is. What is their beef with him? He was a great president. It was good copy. It was interesting. What do you guys owe Biden? What is it? What what does he have on you people? Give me a call. 800. Gosh, what is the number? I'm supposed to give it out every time we do this. 972 what? 800-848-9222. With that in mind, let's go to uh, Dave in New Jersey. Hello. Yes. Fine. Two simple solutions to end the war in Ukraine. I'm listening. Either kill Putin, bomb him, or tell Zelensky to, to pull it quit. Paul, tell Zelensky to what? Pull it quit. And just give it up. Okay. Thanks, Dave. We'll get right on that. Uh, Mike is in Suffolk, uh, Suffolk County, I take it. Mike, what's up? Hi. Uh, you quoted Biden as saying, we will no longer accept Russian oil at U.S. ports. Does that mean we stopped purchasing it? Because sometimes he leaves out little details. He does leave out little details, doesn't he? Right? He's a little wormy guy. And I noticed it, and I got to listen to the entire speech, play it back, because there were a couple of moments in there, and he's speaking very quickly. He actually turned, and then he mumbles. But he's a crafty guy. He's not totally out of it. He was mumbling, I think, on purpose to conceal, to mislead us, perhaps. And he's been known to do that, right? So that's a good point. I have to follow up on that. I'm not sure. Let me just see. Is there anything here? Um, Do me a favor. Play cut 35 one more time. Cut 35. I don't think this is the part where he gets double talky, but let's hear it. 35. Thus far, we've provided more than $1 billion in security assistance to Ukraine. Shipments of defensive weapons are arriving in Ukraine every day from the United States. And we, the United States, are the ones coordinating the delivery of our allies and partners of similar uh, weapons from 
Germany to Finland to the Netherlands. It's always boasting about uh, all the coordination we're doing. What about leading? Why do we need permission from everybody? Why are we always talking and having meetings and committee hearings and uh, we're going to have discussions and then we'll have active discussions and then we'll revisit our findings and document everything? Um, There's a little bit later in the speech where he gets a little bit. uh, Let me see if there's. uh, um, All right, I'll skip it when we come back, when we come back. And then uh, Eric Adams says the NYPD's relationship with the community and their hands being tied amidst the spike in crime. Hmm. Where do you think that came from, huh? Why do you think the cops may feel a little bit inhibited right now? Two years of saying they're the enemy. They are part of systemic racism. And Eric, you've been involved in that your whole damn life. Joe. Uh, One million, is it one million uh, refugees now going through Poland? Uh, The fake news is, I care, of course, I don't want suffering, but uh, the fake news was overdoing it. I played this clip. It's, um, you tell me if I'm nitpicking, but I just don't like it when they try to push something that we can't see and that she can't see. This is a reporter. What's her name? Ellis, Ellison, Ellison, Ellison Barber. And uh, she's doing a walk and talk at a refugee center. And quite frankly, it looks like a bunch of people about to go skiing. It just does not look destitute, but I think she wants it to be really, really bad, worse than it is. And her tone is like, can you believe the horror? Oh, the humanity. And I'm like, there's just a bunch of people getting on a bus. This is not exactly uh, this is not 1944. I'm sorry. You may want it to be. I know that would make your career or something like that, but. That's the thing. All reporters want to pretend that wherever they are, it's that's it. This is this is the center of the universe. It's so important where I am and what I'm saying and my observations. Well, we can see for ourselves what you're talking about, and it ain't all that. Cut thirty one. We have been to inside here. There are 2,000 cots outside even more people. When we were inside walking through, 2,000 cots, that's the official number. But as we looked, you would often see three, four people sitting on one cot. At times, it looked like family members. One person was sleeping while the other sort of kept watch, and then they would rotate out. Fascinating, right? And then I noticed, though, she wouldn't let us see any of the cots. It's like in that building behind me are 2,000 cots and people are sitting on those cots and some people are sleeping in those cots. But the way she made it sound, it was like some sort of combat operation. The cots. Uh, What happened next here? Uh, There was that. Then do me a favor. Give me the next one, please. Most of the people who come here, they don't necessarily have family or friends in Poland. They don't know where they're going to go next. But here they have transportation buses that will take them to other cities in Poland or even to other countries like Germany, going to Berlin or Czech Republic, going to Prague. Every person here, they all have come from different parts of Ukraine, many of them from eastern Ukraine in some of the areas that are under the heaviest barrage of bullets of attack and they all stories to tell and we have been privileged to hear so many of them oh my god that's now talk about laying it on thick we have buses and they are going to countries throughout europe and some of them have come from where the heaviest barrage of bullets are 
many, many hundreds of miles from where I'm standing, by the way, but that doesn't sound that interesting. So I will say they came from where the heaviest barrage of bullets. This is how they roll. This is how they've always rolled. It's kind of fun, though, to see it on display. And she looks at the transportation of the buses. I'm in New York, lady. All right. I see buses and trains all the time. It's no big deal. I've seen bigger lines even now for the Long Island Railroad during COVID or post-COVID. I guess COVID's over. All right. Give me a little bit more. What happened next? Some will say, okay, so are you arguing for throwing oh, out stop, the Constitution? Stop, 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 stop. You're going out of order. I know that's next, but you got to go to cut 34. Do me a favor. Go to cut 34. This is that same breathless reporter and she's talking about the people she meets. Cut 34. Ludmila believes Ukraine will win this fight. But at 83, she fears this is the last she'll see of her beloved Ukraine. But it's so painful in my heart. Okay. Now, here's the thing. Ludmila, who they played on the news, I first saw her two weeks ago on the news. <laughs> <laughs> the same the same woman telling the same story, but it's so good they keep playing it. Here she is. This is uh, 10 days ago. Ludmilla, the same Ludmilla, the same reporter. You would think that she's surrounded by millions of refugees. You'd find a new one with a new sob story, but she's going with the, the, the one that she found two weeks ago. Cut uh, 35, please. And that one woman right about here who had crossed this morning, she's 83 years old. In my heart, it's painful. I'm, I'm missing Ukraine already. I want. I just want to cry. Okay. I'm sorry about that. I really am. I hope you, no 83-year-old, nobody should be going through this. But can't the reporter find a new refugee? I mean, it's it's an old one. They're playing reruns already. And this is live television, by the way. I'm watching the MSNBC show. What is it? Uh, Mika and Joe. Mika, know your value. Mika, what a scam that is, by the way. Oh, boy. I once went to the website. You got to sign up, and they have a stupid – it's a boondoggle. You go to some seminar in the UAE um, and pay $20,000 to listen to how Mika knew her value and got her job – on the Morning Joe show, which was a hit, but she doesn't tell you that Mika was sleeping with Joe when she got the job. That's always left out, I've noticed. Now it's a beautiful love story, but it started, uh, you know, uh, I don't want to say the old-fashioned way, but it uh, wasn't exactly. Uh, all right, wrapping up with this reporter. <laughs> Is, you let me know. Am I, I mean, am I nitpicking here? My wife says, you know, you're really nitpicking. Well, I'm sorry. Uh, I've had my ass in the grass, okay? I've reported from some funky places across uh, the planet. And one thing I did not do, I did not sex it up. I didn't. I wouldn't. I reported what I was seeing, and I did it in a responsible manner. She's hyping it. Cut 36. We've been to six crossings on the Polish-Ukrainian border and have seen the best of humanity. Kindness. Bravery. Okay. This is uh, now I feel I feel very good. I'm reminded now we've seen the best of humanity, kindness. And someone's putting a blanket, you know, around somebody's shoulders, bravery. And you just see some guy walking with a toddler, a two year old. I walked with a two year old this morning. Um, Bravery. Relax. All right. Don't you can't redefine the definition of bravery. 
The guy's walking through a parking lot holding a kid. It seems to be his kid. That's nice. That's great. That's uh, family love. But it's not bravery. They're, this is dishonest. It is. This is why the fake news is fake. And uh, here's another reason why the fake news is fake. Another example. Cut 37, please. Tonight, the stunning letter published late today by the New York Times from someone reportedly inside the Trump administration. In the New York Times publishing this anonymous firecracker op-ed from a current senior official in the Trump administration. An anonymous senior official, according to the New York Times, and the Trump administration wrote that explosive op-ed. The most explosive was that New York Times op-ed by an anonymous senior official of the Trump administration. This is another example of how the election was rigged because the fake news went all in on that anonymous op-ed. Oh, my gosh. A letter was published in the New York Times. A senior by a Trump administration official does not like Donald Trump. He's horrified to be there. He says it's a nightmare. Everything's going wrong. And it's an anonymous. And people are like, wow, is it the chief of staff? Is it the secretary of state? Who who turned on Trump? Well, it wasn't anybody there. It wasn't anybody who even worked in the White House. There are 400,000, plus or minus 100,000, guys who work at the Department of Homeland Security. And one of them, a 32-year-old punk by the name of Miles, Miles Taylor, wrote that story. He wrote he wrote he wrote a little nasty letter about his boss, his boss's 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 boss, the president and said nasty things about him. Can I hear that one more time? That was David Muir. A lot of you guys, according to the numbers, like David Muir. He's about as fake as they come. Just look at the guy. I'm sorry. You can tell he's fake. Nobody's that beautiful. Naturally. Go ahead. Tonight, the stunning letter Tonight. published late today by the New York Times. Oh, from someone reportedly the stunning letter. And you guys, you guys watch that fake news. If you're still watching the fake news, you shouldn't be. You really should not engage. Al is on the phone from Long Island. Al, you got something to say about that Biden speech I hear? Yeah, I got a lot to say about it, but I don't think I got enough time. Well, um, make I'm it quick. All right. I used your father's book years ago as leadership. Thank you very much. Um, a lot of it, and you had a caller say, mentioned that he didn't really say whether he was going to stop selling or buying. Right. Everything is right. in between the lines. I don't know who's writing his speeches, but it's horrible. I mean, if anybody was looking at this from the outside or in Europe right now, I would say, who's writing these speeches? All right. So you saw the same thing. You heard the same thing. It was a lot of potential double talk there, right? Anything else? Anything specific? I, I'm, I'm still... I'm still working this thing. I want to, uh, I, you know, I want to catch him in something. So, did you hear anything specific? Yeah, it doesn't take any responsibilities for anything that goes wrong. Every time they have something, it's we or us or NATO. But when it comes to something that he said directly or indirectly, it's always like, "Well, I could have." All right. Well, at the time. S- stand by, Al. Stand by. Stay right there. Now, I want to play a portion of this thing, and I got I've only heard it once, and I got to read it. And sometimes you've. Pick up things when you read things and not just listen to them. But listen to this. Cut 39. Is this double talk? What's going on here? Cut 39. It's simply not true that my administration or policies are holding back domestic energy production. That's simply not true. Even amid the pandemic, companies in the United States pumped more oil during my first year in office than they did during my predecessor's first year. Okay. There. Yep. There it is. That's dishonest Joe. 
The policies of this administration have not hurt production. He is wrong. He is lying. The Keystone Pipeline, the first damn thing he did when he got into office was cancel that thing. That, that is a big deal. Also, did you notice another thing? And for a moment there, I was like, wait a second, really? The production of Joe Biden's administration and and Trump's administration, it was higher under Biden. But he did something clever. Did you hear that? The production in my first year of office is at the same level in Trump's first year in office. See how he kind of like, I thought he wanted to say last year. That would have been impressive. That would have been something I would have had to have wrestled with. Wait, what? He said first year. Well, that's 2017. Can you hear that one more time, please? This is, this is clat. This is dishonest. This is why, this is why Joe Biden is Joe Biden. Go ahead. One more time. It's simply not true that my administration or policies are holding back domestic energy production. That's simply not true. Even amid the pandemic, companies in the United States pumped more oil during my first year in office than they did during my predecessor's first year. He didn't say last year. He said first year. That's dishonest. That's misleading. The Keystone Pipeline. And yes, I'm sorry. I heard that they have withdrawn permits. Now, he specifically says later that we have not... We have not canceled any permits. I don't believe that because, Joe, of your record of lying, it comes very, very easy to you. I have to back that up. I don't look. What the hell do I know about oil, to be honest? I don't know that much. But, Al, you see what we're talking about here, right? This is what you're talking about. Yeah, Greg, during during Trump's first year, Trump was implementing that plan. Once that plan was produced, we were oil and independent. It's exactly. It's it's totally. It's a very unfair comparison, and uh, and you're right. It's okay. Like something's up. He's lying again. Thank you, Al, very much. Uh, wait, Ken is standing by. He's got something. What is it, Ken? Hello. Yeah, dude. I just want to make a general comment. Uh, after Russia had passed, I was looking for someone to fill that void, and you have filled that void. And the reason I know this is because Russia was the only person I would listen to, and even through the commercials. I wouldn't turn it off or down because I didn't want to miss what he was saying. So you and Mark Levin are in that category where I listen to the commercials, but I don't miss what you're saying. Wow, Ken. Hey, man, that's beautiful. Thank you so much for saying it. It's uh, a little bit daunting. My God, you know, uh, Rush. There's no replacing Rush, let's face it. Ken, thanks for the call. I did tell you once I met I met Rush and I saw him give a speech. It was the most amazing thing I'd ever seen in my life. One of the most memorable moments ever. It was in 2009 or 10, and Rush Limbaugh gave a speech introducing – he was just introducing Roger Ailes. Roger was getting an award from the Boy Scouts, the Boy Scouts of America. They treated this like it was getting the Medal of Freedom. <laughs> it was really is a big deal. But, but Roger took his philanthropy very seriously, and I think he was very generous with the Boy Scouts of America. And, and Rush Limbaugh gave just – the most perfect speech without notes, and I was I was in awe. I was in absolute awe. Then I got to meet Rush many years later. Um, I two thousand when the hell was that nineteen? I met him with Trump, and he was just kind of the way I was in awe of Rush. He was in awe of Trump. He's like, look at this guy. <laughs> He's just amazing. He's just amazing. Gosh, wasn't that nice when they gave him the Presidential Medal of Freedom? And he didn't do it in some discreet ceremony at the Oval Office that nobody gets to see. He did it at the State of the Union. Absolutely beautiful. Those are the only two times I met. Oh, and one thing I always wanted to say to Rush, but I never did. 
he's got great taste in women. He really does. I know he got married a couple of times, and but they were always just very beautiful and intelligent. Beautiful and intelligent. And even some of his girlfriends, he, he'd like that. Uh, does anybody remember Darren Kagan from CNN? They were an item for a long time. Anyway, his, his widow is a fine woman. I've never met her, but boy, oh boy, just you can tell. You can tell. All right. What the hell is that knocking, by the way? Is someone's building something downstairs, installing a new elevator? What is that? Can you guys hear that at home? This is really a, this is a problem for me. I'm sorry. I apologize, but I can't. I can't. I can't. Uh, hold on. All right. While I fix this, uh, let me investigate. All right. Can I go? All right. I'll be right back. I got to see what's going on downstairs. You're listening to The Greg Kelly Show. Well, I don't know what to make of this, but the first January 6th defendant found guilty on all charges. January 6th defendant. This is the first trial. Pretty quick trial. Found guilty on all on all charges for crying out loud. You know, this is this is wrong. This is un-American. And this is one of the reasons why we are <laughs> there's a war right now in Ukraine. Absolutely. We have stooped to the level of the Russians. This authoritarian crap against ordinary citizens. Everybody saw we had a thousand riots in this country during Black Lives Matter summer and beyond. Property damage, police officers assaulted. I saw one bashed in the head with a fire extinguisher in the Bronx. No problem. That was all about racial justice, diversity, equity, and inclusion. That was all fighting the... What was it? What do they like to say? The original sin of slavery in America. You know, I'm sorry. I hate to say it. I don't like slavery, but it was everywhere. It was global. It was biblical. All right. And we've come a long way. Uh, but no, 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 no. Boy, oh boy. If only they broke broke out a Black Lives Matter flag at that uh, Capitol rally. That would have been they would have all gotten off the hook. I can't believe it. Two people, trans folk, by the way, who uh, torched an NYPD vehicle, no jail time, none. They got a talking to and home confinement, you know, like you're grounded. Remember when you got grounded? Didn't they ground people on the Brady Bunch and places like that? And now we have this, more abuse from our federal government. And this is another example. This is overreach. This is harassment. This is politicization of the Justice Department. It is happening. Enrique Terrio from the Proud Boys. And the Proud Boys have been lied about. They have been maligned. It is not a white supremacy group. I hate white supremacy. I would have nothing to do with white supremacy. Um, these are not white supremacists. Leader of Proud Boys indicted in federal court for conspiracy and other offenses related to U.S. Capitol breach. Enrique Tario, the former national chairman of the Proud Boys, was arrested today following his indictment on conspiracy and other charges related to the breach of the U.S. Capitol on January 6, 2021. Oh, by the way, he wasn't there. He was in Baltimore that day. We'll get to that. It disrupted. Oh, it disrupted a joint session of the U.S. Congress that was in the process of ascertaining and counting the electoral votes related to the presidential election. Why is it okay to disrupt any hearing involving a Republican nominee? Have you noticed that? You can disrupt anything you want if it's about abortion rights. But uh, 
if you have concerns about the election, and oh, by the way, you're let in by the Capitol cops, don't forget it. Don't forget it. Capitol Hill police let the protesters inside. They did. Capitol police actively waved protesters onto Capitol Hill. They did. They did. Capitol police shot and killed Ashley Babbitt, an unarmed woman who posed no deadly threat. They did. They did. What's the best defense, a good offense? The best defense is a good offense. The best offense is a whatever. They named a whole bunch of other people here. He was arrested, uh, superseding indictment, blah, 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 blah. The Proud Boys describes itself as a pro-Western fraternal organization for men who refuse to apologize for creating the modern world, a.k.a. Western chauvinists. Now, what the hell is this doing in a Department of Justice document? Who cares what the the Proud Boys describe themselves as? And by the way, that description is not illegal. You can believe things that you find unsavory, that others find unsavory, that Merrick Garland may not agree with. This is still America, ma'am. Through at least January 6, 2021, Tario was the national chairman of the organization. In mid-December, Tario created a special chapter of the Proud Boys known as the Ministry of Self-Defense. Let's see here. They conspired to corruptly disrupt, obstruct, influence, and impede the official proceeding, the certification of the Electoral College vote. Now, let's go to the indictment. Let's go to the indictment, because I don't think they did that, and I don't think they can prove that. Now, they spend a lot of time here talking about his past conviction and his prison stay for, guess what he did? Are you ready for this? He burned a Black Lives Matter flag. He did. He did. He burned. If only that were an American flag, man, you would have been fine. You would have been fine. All right. Now, there are a lot of other guys who are in trouble here. Okay. Now, why is this? Why is this in their indictment? From at least in or around November of 2020, Tario used his platform as leader of the Proud Boys to publicly post statements in response to the projected results of the 2020 presidential election. Remember, projected. These weren't official yet. On January, on November 6, 2020, Tario posted a message that read, The media constantly accuses accuses us of wanting to start a civil war. Careful what the hell you ask for. We don't want to start one, but we will sure finish one. Now, is that somehow seditious or something? Is that? No, it's not. It's not. You can say things. You know, I noticed that Al Sharpton likes to say, no justice, no peace. That's code for if he doesn't get his way, he'll riot or he'll penalize Asian grocery stores as that bigot has done in the past. That criminal bigot. And yet he has his own show on MSNBC. Are you serious? They are counting on us being quiet. They are counting on us not having memories. Wow. The United States government going after thought of a private citizen. This is still America, ma'am. I think at least. Be right back. Greg Kelly, the latest breaking news and opinions. Entertaining and informative. I'm going through this indictment right now of Enrique Tarrio and the Proud Boys. Again, not a white supremacist group. That is a great big fat fake news lie in addition to so many lies they have told. 
Uh, I am going through this. I'm trying to make heads or tails out of everything. One question that has crossed my mind, I can't tell for sure that these documents are complicated at times, but if they were, in fact, talking about violently uh, taking any federal property, which, of course, is against the law, uh, I am wondering, and I believe that we had informants, we, the American people, through our government and our FBI, had informants in this group. Why didn't they stop this ahead of time? If it is, if it's as bad as they seem to be saying, and I kept hearing about informants. Quite frankly, the whole country was hearing that January sixth, something bad could happen on January sixth. Did they facilitate this, or did they try to stop it? I'm wondering if they facilitated it. That whole thing about a a false flag, or maybe it wasn't so false. If it was genuine, that would be even better. You could besmirch an entire half the country. If one number of guys got out of hand and went too far. Here's something bizarre. On January 4th, 2024, I'm sorry, January 4th, 2021, Tario posted a voice note to one of the leaders of the group at 736 in the morning in which he stated, I didn't hear this voice note until now. You want to storm the Capitol. I'm just wondering if there needs to be a question mark there, a question mark. You want to storm the Capitol? Is that what you're talking about? A lot of unidentified people. On January 4th, within one hour of Tario's arrest, pursuant to a warrant issued by D.C. Superior Court, Donahue created a new group of encrypted messaging. I don't know. I don't know. Why was this dragged out? This information was, this is the most investigated moment in American history. More than the Kennedy assassination, January 6th. More than the shuttle disaster, the Challenger in the Columbia, January 6th. It is the most exist- is the biggest existential threat to democracy that ever happened, right? I guess until Putin showed up. You know, up until uh, Ukraine, the, the biggest existential threat to democracy was the Horns guy and Big O, who put his feet up on Nancy Pelosi's desk. Now it's Putin all of a sudden, but anyway, there's never consistency. Uh, let's see here. On January 20th, it just goes on and on. We're not going to get into any blank tonight. Tomorrow's the day. I'm here with Rufio in response to a question from a participant in the group who traveled to Washington, D.C. on January 5th, stating he was bringing multiple radios with him, and there was a person who was planning to program the radios later that evening. Well, you're allowed to program radios. Anybody need comms programmed? Hit me up. At 9.17, someone posted a message on the blah, 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 blah. We just had a meeting with a lot of guys. Info should be coming out. Just spoke with Enrique. I don't know. All I do know for sure is that they've been telling me for a long time that the Proud Boys are white supremacists. They don't tell you that the guy in charge, Enrique Terrio, who they don't even like to show is a Afro-Latino gentleman. Hmm? I think that's relevant, don't you, when they're trying to label that group a white supremacy organization? Uh, All right, I got one more thing to do with this uh, Joe Biden announcement that no one else is participating in. Joe, uh, Donald Trump already called him out on that. Here we go. Cut 40, if you don't mind. Here's where I think we get a little bit of double talk. Cut 40, please. 
In the United States, 90% of onshore oil production takes place on land that isn't owned by the federal government. And of the remaining 10% that occurs on federal land, the oil and gas industry has millions of acres leased. They have 9,000 permits to drill now. They could be drilling right now, yesterday, last week, last year. They have 9,000 to drill onshore that are already approved. So let me be clear. Let me be clear. They are not using them for production now. That's their decision. These are the facts. We should be honest about the facts. Here's a fact, too. We were energy independent under Trump. We are not anymore. And Joe is playing games with that, all right? 90%. 10% is federal land. And 9,000 permits have been approved. I want to see the fine print. Bring me that Bill Butel's son. Who remembers Bill Butel? <laughs> He's, uh, his son is, a, uh, is an expert in the energy industry. And um, nobody knows this stuff better than he does. Uh, one other thing here. Cut 41, please. I think we can catch him in a little bit of a lie here. Cut 41. This crisis is a stark reminder to protect our economy over the long term. We need to become energy independent. I've had numerous conversations over the last three months with our European friends of how they have to be, wean themselves off of Russian oil. It's just not it's just not tenable. It should motivate us to accelerate the transition to clean energy. Did he really tell our allies in Europe that it's time to wean yourself off of oil from Russia? Did he really do that? I don't know. I do know that Trump did it. Not little private conversations, uh, coffees with uh, fellow uh, uh, globalists, but out loud, out loud at the United Nations. Well, speaking of globalists, but <laughs> here he is uh, front and center at the United Nations in 2018 doing in public what Joe says he did in private. Cut 27. Reliance on a single foreign supplier can leave a nation vulnerable to extortion and intimidation. That is why we congratulate European states such as Poland for leading the construction of a Baltic pipeline so that nations are not dependent on Russia to meet their energy needs. Germany will become totally dependent on Russian energy if it does not immediately change course. Here in the Western Hemisphere, we are committed to maintaining our independence from the encroachment of expansionist foreign powers. Wow, that's really clear, really unambiguous, all right? He said it out loud in front of the world. How did Joe put it again? Cut 41 one more time. This crisis is a stark reminder to protect our economy yeah. over the long term. We need to become energy independent. I've had numerous conversations over the last three months with our European friends of how they have to be, wean themselves off of Russian oil. It's just not it's just not tenable. Numerous conversations it should motivate us to accelerate the transition to clean energy. I, I, I just I don't think he led. I don't think he did it with the force of Donald Trump. I don't think he did it at all. I don't think he did it at all. Marianne, do you? Do you see? Do you hear the inherent dishonesty in almost everything this guy says? Unbelievable, really. Can't get past one day without a couple lies, you know? It's, uh, it, it's like drinking water. It's like breathing for this guy. It's amazing. Anyway, what's on your mind? All right, my dear. 
uh, Greg, uh, you're the only one that seems to be on this like a flea on a dog. So, and I would like to see the truth come out about Ashley Babbitt so she may have her honor restored, you know? So uh, can I run a scenario past you and then get your... Of course. Fire away. Okay, you ready? All right, Ashley, I feel she was killed on purpose. They need they needed they needed to make it look like we were violent. The Trump us Trump supporters are violent. So this way and, and they needed to fix it so that Trump couldn't run again. So anyway, Ashley being a military person, uh, pro- probably learns uh what is it, hand to hand combat. So when she saw that guy the window with his helmet. She she said, "Oh my God, this is really getting out of hand." So she grabbed him, pulled him back, and what and whacked him in the face. And then it, and then she looks through the window, and the congressmen are walking around in the hallway like it's just you know a regular day, nothing going on at the door there. So she thought, "Well, let me go through there because she realized she was surrounded by bad actors." And she went through the window to get to the congressmen, so she was going to get them to find somebody to chase everybody away from the door. But here, Leroy's hiding in the corner, and she didn't see him. And I'll bet he was paid to shoot her because Tim Leroy's uh, Twitter page was erased because he's a BLM activist. Yeah. And all the guys in front of the door that were breaking everything were BLM activists. Listen. John Sullivan was standing in the corner. Yeah, I know. Standing in front of the door. They they all look towards his direction where he was video. Marianne, I agree with you. I actually agree with you. I I think you ran this by me once before, and I'm like, nah, it doesn't work that way. Leroy is a maniac cop and a bad cop, and it's a bad shooting. I'm not so sure anymore. This may have been the intent from the get-go, and you're right that this would somehow prevent Trump from ever coming back if there could be a fatality. Now, you mentioned the hand-to-hand combat stuff that she learned in the military. Forget that. Forget that. I was in the military. I don't know any hand-to-hand combat. You know, I just I, – I, I don't. I mean, I got a lesson in it, you know, for a half a day. That's it. It's not like she knew all kinds of secret martial arts. Although she was an MP, she probably knew more than most. But it's not like she was some sort of super-secret soldier, all right? It just – it's not a big deal having – it's a great deal. It's good that she served, and I'm proud that I served, but it doesn't make you a – a highly lethal person. It just doesn't. But everything else, um, I am so suspicious. So, yeah, yeah, and we don't have the truth. We don't have nearly, we don't have enough facts. We don't have, there's so much we don't know about this. I have heard this. Well, I can't actually say it because I talked to, I got to leave that out. I can't, I'm, I'm not clear to report it. But as you know, Aaron Babbitt is suing the uh, federal government or is preparing a lawsuit, and a lot can come out in that lawsuit. Marianne, is there anything else you wanted to add? Well, I think the DC cops, the ones that were standing in front of the door, you know, you know how they, you know how they look towards the side. They look towards the corner where, where John Sullivan was standing, filming the whole thing. They weren't DC cops. They were Capitol Hill cops. And you're right though. They were just staring at him. They just stood there. They just walked away. They walked away. They weren't under, no one was touching them. They just walked away. Why doesn't Liz Cheney get asked about that or Adam Kinzinger or Adam Schiff or all these people pretending that January 6th was something that it wasn't? 
Rouser and Pelosi. All of them. All of them. Marianne, this could have been preconceived. I believe it. I believe that there was a they're very well very well I'm open minded, all right? I think you're onto something big time, Marianne. I thank you. No joke. And wait a second. Stand by, Marianne. Ron is on the phone from New Jersey. Also has something to say about Ashley Babbitt. Yes? Police officer, besides being inept, it didn't meet the criteria for the utilization of lethal force, according to the D.C. uh, District of Columbia statute on the use of uh, force. Because you have to be in imminent threat of bodily harm or death. And, and isn't that, Ron, isn't that any any police department? You were a cop. Where? Yes, in, in Newark, New Jersey. Oh, okay. I remember you. Yeah. I mean, like, you can't you can't shoot anybody just because they're jumping through a window. She's five foot two, 114 pounds. She didn't even pose it. She didn't even hit feet, didn't even hit the ground. She had no weapon in her hand. She didn't lunge at the guy. Nothing. He yeah. just blasted it away. And I mean, you know what's really terrible? No one. No one gives a damn. It's incredible how few people are talking about this. It happened. And then the next day on the news, I see that, what's her name again? That uh, Savannah Guthrie is standing in front of the Capitol. Doesn't even mention her name. Doesn't even mention the incident. It's insane, Ron. It's insane. And you know what? Quite frankly, I think part of it has to do with her race, that she was a white woman. And, uh, you know, there's nothing less prestigious in America these days than a white woman. The only thing that might uh, fall behind her is a white man in terms of status. You know what I mean? Yes, exactly. And uh, by the way, strangely enough, I mean, anybody who's ever been discriminated against, and their discrimination is real, has been real. I have a certain connection and, quite frankly, empathy with anyone who's ever been discriminated against. And it happened a lot. I can't, you know, now I know what it's like to be judged on something you can't control, and it feels awful to be penalized for who you are, whether you're a black man, an Asian woman, whatever, your gender, your orientation, to be judged. And right now, as a white, straight, Christian male, those things are considered demerits. And you know who considers them negatives? A lot of white, straight Christian men who want to impress the left. It's sickening. Be right back. I got two babies. They're growing up very fast. Um, so uh, one is two and a month, and the other is three months. And it's very nice. I love watching the big one interact with the little one. And uh, anyway, I got a little moment here. I think my my wife and others think I am a bad babysitter. I actually didn't think it was so bad. I thought it was fine. I had the little baby. I was keeping an eye on her. And then the bigger one came by with a little tissue, and she knows what the word wash is, and she wants to wash things, and she puts it right in my eye. Wash eyes, wash eyes, wash chin, wash wash hair, and she puts it on the hair. And then she looks at the baby, and she says, wash nose. And then she proceeds to, like, you know, rub it all over her face and, and nose, and then a little bit too hard. It's like she's kind of... Uh, well, she's not quite suffocating the baby, but the baby's a little bit uncomfortable. And I'm uh, it's possible that I let it go on a little bit too long, maybe a second too long, and then the baby starts crying. Um, but these are the moments, right? These are beautiful things then when they happen. And then, you know, watching them learn the words and walk around. And it's uh, it's pretty it's pretty amazing. 
It, and they say there's not a God. Give me a break. All right. I know it. I know it. You know it. You think this stuff just happened by accident? And we're that clever? Well, Greg, do you know that there are 10 trillion billion universes and uh, galaxies and we're just one small little sliver and we just got here eight seconds? Shut up. God knows all that stuff. He created it that way. He wanted to give Neil deGrasse Tyson something to do someday. He, he, I do think he wanted us to look up there and study it. We have to have things to do. We have to have work. We have to, you know, why didn't he make us perfect? Well, it, it would have been so boring if we were perfect. There could be no good. There could be no good if we were perfect because we'd all be perfect. There'd be no choice in the matter. You got to have choice. And unfortunately, a lot of us choose the wrong things, including me from time to time, working on it all the time. You know, hey, Lamar is calling Lamar in Manhattan. How are you? Uh, good afternoon. I just wanted to say that the uh, military virtue and prowess of the Russian soldier is legendary and well documented. The resistance being offered by Zelensky in the face of the irresistible power of the Russian Federation and their fighting forces is an exercise in futility. Worse than Hey, hold on a second, Lamar. What makes you say that the Russians are so good? I mean, I know on paper they're supposed to be good, but they got their asses handed to them in Afghanistan. Um, so far, they're stuck in the mud, can't even run a, an effective convoy. They spread themselves too thin from the north to the south, uh, from the uh, east. They're drunk. Um, they shoot down uh, civilian airliners. Quite frankly, I'm not impressed at all. Well, um, all I can say is that uh, the resistance being offered by Zelensky in the face of the irresistible power of the Russian Federation and their fighting forces is an exercise in futility. And you, you said I that mean, you said that the first time. You're not reacting to anything I just said. I want you to tell me, other than you know this prepared statement you seem to have that the Russians are uh, this almighty power and their whatever is irresistible. I mean. I mean, a lot of people thought that. We're watching what's going down. We're not impressed. This is the gang that can't shoot straight. As I said, they can't run a convoy. I see all their. Uh, I see them abandoning vehicles. They're 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 whimpering and calling their mommy. I mean, what, 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 Lamar, why do you uh, what do you know about the Russian military that I don't? You're a very educated man, sir. That is conspicuously obvious. You're very much, I'm sure, acquainted with the uh, valor and gallantry they displayed in the Great War. Uh, Amen. That's 80 years ago, 90 years, 100 years ago. I don't know. And, you know, I don't – there's a lot I don't know. I'm just looking at what's unfolding so far. And I hear, oh, this is a – he's got a trick up his sleeve. You just wait. I don't know. And I made this point on television last night. You know these uh, Russians are like crazy alcoholics. They are. They got a big problem over there. One in five Russian men die in an alcohol-related incident. That's crazy. And by the way, Ukraine, I've got no illusions about Ukraine, one of the most corrupt countries in the world. Totally fouled up. It looks like Zelensky, by the way, who ran, like they all do, on anti-corruption platforms, has been flirting with this uh, skeevy uh, uh, oligarch and uh, arrangements, favors, all that stuff. They all, they're all the same, these politicians, even if they're trained comedians and whatever. Hey, Lamar, where are you from? What brings you in, to Manhattan? 
Well, I'm originally from just outside of Baton Rouge, and what brought me to Manhattan is what else? A woman. But uh, in any case, why don't we talk about the military a little bit closer to home like our own? Right. right now, we have members uh, of the high command, officers of flag rank. What? All right, Lamar, I got to go. Um, interesting. Uh, be back. There's the music. Uh, goodbye, Lamar. Um, talk to you some other time. Remember, everybody used to make fun of their in-laws, mother-in-law, father-in-law, especially the mother-in-law. I What's not to like about an in-law? They come over. They pick up some of the slack. They help you with the kids. They, um, I love it. I love it. My in-laws are back in Australia. Uh, we want them to come back tomorrow. <laughs> it's just t- tremendous having them around. They're great people. And uh, the kids, uh, well, we need the help, <laughs> especially me. All right, so here it is. This is Sunday night, and uh, I'm kind of taking care of one little baby, a little, 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 little baby. She's only two months old. Wait, wait, she was born in December, so she's three months old. And, you know, she's on the couch. Everything's fine. And then the big baby, who's two years old, comes over and decides to wash her nose. And it goes something like this. Wash your nose. Okay, wash your be nose. gentle. Wash your nose. Wash your nose. <laughs> Uh oh, easy, nose. honey, easy, easy. Be careful, 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 careful. Uh oh. <laughs> that's how it went. And if you could see it, uh, she just was really washing that nose, washing that nose to the point that she was probably, uh, I think the baby had a little tough time breathing. But I was there the whole time saying, be gentle, be gentle, be gentle. It made my wife very disturbed. But I think everything is just fine. Uh, what else are those kids doing? I think this is mostly me. I'm telling her to bring letters to me, and she's actually finding the right letters. No, you don't have that one? The one from before. You sure? There's another one. There are two. It, yeah, hit that one, please. Mm. M. Get me the O. Get me the O, please. Can I have the O? Letter O, please. She's got this whole tray of letters. An O and a Q? Wait. You see, she knows what a Q is. And then she, anyway, she's really good at the, uh, the alphabet. Very good at the alphabet. I can be, we can be, I'll say any letter. And she also knows animals. Is this standard for a two-year-old? Everybody, everybody thinks their kid is amazing. But uh, it is kind of amazing because I knew when she was just, well, a beautiful, let's face it, blob. And now she actually can comprehend, you know, lion, giraffe, elephant. That's 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 progress in a big way. I don't remember knowing anything when I was two years old. I was I don't even remember being two. I vaguely remember being. I vaguely, I think, remember my fourth birthday, but I could be wrong. How about you guys? Do you remember anything? Now, look, before I do that, I have to. There's something else from last night's show. Which was a hit, by the way, and if you haven't figured it out by now, I am hosting a show on Newsmax at 7 o'clock East Coast time, 6 o'clock Central, uh, who the hell can figure out Mountain, and 4 o'clock on the West Coast. Now, I hear that Coca-Cola is still selling Coke in Russia, and I'm not leaning on these companies. There's so much I don't know, all right? So many of these companies are just joining the virtue signaling. I've had it. Did you see that guy get kicked off a JetBlue flight for wearing a Let's Go Brandon mask? 
he changed the mask and they still dismissed him. Yet the CEO of that silly company is uh, bending over backwards, virtue signaling about Black Lives Matter and how we must end systemic racial injustice and all this stuff. Man, people are just trying to get through the day. All right. I guess when you're the CEO and the CFO and the COO of some big company, what do you want to do more than anything? You want to keep those jobs. And how do you do it? By keeping the mob off your back. And that means you got to keep on throwing out little little pieces of, what do they call it? Chum, right? Chum, little pieces of uh, fish bait, right? That's chum. So you keep them you know, busy over there. And that's what happens all the time. All right, so going back. Oh, yeah. Here's the CEO of Coca-Cola, who is still proudly selling Coke in Russia. But boy, oh, boy, did he hate that. Georgia voting law, cut 38. Let me be crystal clear and unequivocal. Uh, this legislation is unacceptable. Uh, it is a step backwards, uh, and it does not uh, promote uh, principles we have stood for in Georgia. What kind of act? I think he's South African, by the way. You're going to tell us about uh, civil rights? I know you fixed all that, but, you know, come on. Uh... Crystal clear. Let me be crystal clear. We oppose this. He's from Coca-Cola, right? Nothing crystal clear about Coca-Cola. It is poison. So is Pepsi. The product is poison. Their values are poison. Remember, they're the ones, if you look closely at that silly halftime show, the Super Bowl, doesn't it feel like the Super Bowl almost never happened? But it did happen. And it featured uh, Dr. Dre. And who's that other scumbag? What was his name again? Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg, the cop haters, the cop haters dancing around in a set that looked like their their hood in Compton. Wow, isn't that cool? Compton, that's a place that should be emulated and, 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 and celebrated. Look, we saw the movie. Fine. Don't make it the centerpiece of America's Super Bowl. But it was. Why? It makes no sense. Who's the other one? Kendrick Lamar. He was there, right? You know what was important to him about Compton and that little restaurant? There was a little restaurant, Tam's Restaurant. They recreated Tam's Restaurant on the football field because it had some significance for Dr. Dre and Kendrick Lamar. After all, it's where Kendrick Lamar witnessed his first murder. Isn't that, isn't that nice? You know, in 1993, you know what the, the Super Bowl special was then? The Super Bowl halftime show? Peanuts, Charlie Brown and Snoopy turned 50. How wholesome and stupid and lame, right? Oh, gosh, how lame. And they had those big Charlie Brown guys running around and a band playing, you know, just regular. Who was the composer for Peanuts? Whoever did that music, which was great, by the way. Okay. Time out for a moment. Ben in New Jersey. Yes, sir. Hey, Greg. So we have people dying right now for these scumbags in this country who are playing their game as usual. And so I asked someone, what does the V and the Z stand for on all the equipment that we're seeing on TV? Well, the Z stands for the Russian stuff, and the V stands for the Ukrainian stuff, which is all made by the Russians. So you have a country that has the same equipment as the country they're fighting. They speak the same language, have the same customs. So it looks to me like it's a civil war kind of north versus south thing that's basically what it's coming down to innocent people are dying in a civil war and 
Putin is moving in on nuclear reactors, which eventually, as while well, nobody's while well, everybody's looking at the forty mile traffic jam, he's going to take the nuclear reactors, put them under his wing, run nuclear power for all of Eastern Europe and probably uh, maybe even parts of Western Europe, and then and also the east where he is, he's going to corner that market. Well, we're all cutting off his gas and oil, which he's still going to sell to his his puppet countries like Nicaragua. And All right, wait, 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 wait. What is the big? I mean, okay, V and Z. I followed that, and I know that. But yes, they have the same equipment. A lot of it is the. But what's the significance of that? I mean, we we know we know a little bit about the history. Ukraine uh, own culture, own country for a long time. Joined during the Soviet era, and separated. Uh, I guess Putin refuses to recognize that. Um, I'm with you up until that. I don't think uh, I don't think he went in there to get the nuclear power. I mean, they have their own nuclear power. Russia does. You know that, right? Yeah, I understand that, but it's low hanging fruit, Greg. It's there. He's going to grab it because why not? Why Why would he take over a country that's rubble? He doesn't want rubble. He wants something he can work with that he could walk away with. These are trophies. Well, and he knows. Well, knows this. Yeah, yeah. That's why. Some of us, and the theory goes that he did not go in as hard as he might have because it's not destruction, it's domination, and they but they want something to dominate. You just you need a country to to seize, and if you ruin it, it won't be it won't be really worth it, right? I don't know. So what's the bottom line, man? He's going to rule by fear. He's going to rule by fear. People are going to be afraid of getting their electricity turned off. They can't watch their their TV sets and their satellites. And they're going to be afraid that they can't run their cars because there won't be any way of generating the, the refineries to get the fuel and the oil. You're talking about over, everywhere or there or where? I'm talking about there for All now. Right. Yeah. That's his for now. He's going, to go right, he's going to go right into the face of NATO. He's okay. Go right, right to the borders and say, I'm here. What are you going to do now? I have, I have nuclear weapons. I have the power. What do you guys want to do? You know what I think, pal? It's going to be over next week. I think it's going to be over late next next week. Everybody's looking for an off ramp. There's going to be some sort of face saving. Zelensky is going to come out with a, a thousand year promise. We will never join NATO. We want nothing to do with NATO. And uh, and then Putin will be gone in about 18 months. That's what I think is going to happen. But who the heck knows for sure. Uh, I would like it to be over. All right. We all have enough to worry about. We got our own issues here, don't we? Uh, Antonio in Long Island. Yes. Hey, Greg, how's it going? Um, just, I just want to hope that you can kind of clarify this for me, because the one thing that I can't get over is the fact that all these sanctions uh, and, and uh, that are destroying the ruble and, and everything, how is that affecting the, the innocent families, you know, in Russia? Are, are these people getting absolutely destroyed financially that have nothing to do with Putin's craziness? Well, the point is sanctions, uh, traditionally, you inflict harm upon the country and the country applies pressure on the leader to either take the correct action or ultimately to leave or they apply pressure on him to get out. And I heard today that the ruble is worth less than a penny, which is really kind of wild when you think about it. So, yeah, don't think that uh, we're not aware that some of what we're doing is hurting ordinary Russian people. It would have been nice if Joe said the other night during his big speech, you know, we have no problem with the Russian people. It's Putin we want. But he didn't say anything like that. He didn't say he didn't lead because he doesn't know how to lead. 
He's a congressman, a senator. He knows how to write letters and complain about stuff. That's all. Just kind of always kicking the ball. But does that make sense? I mean, that's my understanding of sanctions. I mean, I'm not a country. I've never been a U.N. ambassador. But uh, you kind of want them to hurt the population, believe it or not, because the, the hope is the population will apply pressure on the leader. Right? You with me? I just can't get over the fact of thinking of what it's doing to these families. I mean, I understand what needs to be done, but at the same time, if you look at it, I mean, if you look at it, if, if, if the United States decided one day to go to war based on something that Biden or whoever's a president did, and then we get sanctioned, and all of a sudden my family is absolutely destroyed financially by the decisions that the White House made. So what would you do? What would you do with that anger? No, you would I, apply pressure. I, I mean, know. I don't have an I, a I don't lot of people would be upset, probably, presumably, with whoever was president. If it was a dopey war and we couldn't get any stuff and we had no gasoline, you know, we'd be really good and mad. And uh, the leader of this theoretical situation, I want to underscore, would have to take corrective action. Right. Or maybe they'd just be so unpopular they'd have to resign. Sanctions, unfortunately, look, it's a messy world, uh, are often designed to hurt regular people. They are. Just like last week they said during that press conference, are you going to sanction Putin specifically, go after Putin specifically? And and Biden wasn't prepared to say that. So it's crazy, but that's kind of how it works sometimes. We don't like it. I don't like war, by the way, but you know what? Every now and then it has to be fought. This is not one of those occasions. Just like the Iraq War, our invasion, that was a war of choice. We did not have to go 6,000 miles away to invade a sovereign country that did not attack us and that did not have weapons of mass destruction like they told us they did. Patrick, hello in New Jersey. How are you, Greg? Yeah. Greg, you know what makes me crazy? And I'd like to stay on the Ashley Babbitt story. Ashley Babbitt gets shot in the face by an officer. She's not resisting. She's doing nothing of the kind. She's climbing in this window, shot dead. He gets gets off scot-free. Meanwhile, this officer who thought she was tasing somebody kills somebody accidentally and goes to jail for it. The disparity between these two things and the fact that nobody conflagrates these two together drives me crazy. Why, why don't we hear more about the, the difference between these two actions? You know, it's something that I didn't. The point I raised when that officer went away, uh, yes, the Dante Wright situation, I believe you're referring to in in uh, Brooklyn Center, Minnesota. It's kind of crazy. Hey, how about this? We have two people who firebombed a New York City police vehicle who are now sentenced to home confinement. They're going to think about what they did at home. Meanwhile, they're sending away for years people who did not break anything or hurt anybody on January 6th for years there is incredible inconsistency and hypocrisy in our system, and I don't like it. I don't like it. Patrick, neither do you. We have to be cognizant. We have to be vigilant. We have to be active. We can, we have to get on social media. I don't like it. It's a crummy battlefield, but it's the battlefield. We have to write letters to these guys. You know what? Believe it or not, they are respond. Hey, Patrick, if you want to make a – I don't know where you live, but if you want to go see your congressman, you can – Send a letter and say, I want to meet with you. I want to have a discussion with you. I want to tell you what I'm thinking. Guess what? They'll meet with you because they don't want you to run in a primary. Maybe you will, Patrick. Anybody can. You know, you're not that far removed from power in America. In some ways you are, but in some ways you aren't. All kinds of people. You hear about it all the time. Remember the truck driver who ran for office, knocked out the state speaker in uh, New Jersey? 
Who was that guy? How's he doing, by the way? It happens yeah. all the time. So um, this is still a democracy, okay? A constitutional republic. This is still America, ma'am. All right. Is it time? It's time. I'll be right back. You're listening to The Greg Kelly Show. Uh, all right. Yikes. Let's get this over with. Women's Appreciation Day. <laughs> oh, we get one oh, day. Oh, sorry. Am I on the air? We get one day. Jacqueline Carl joins me for Women's Appreciation Day. She's our news anchor. Thank you. You get one day. We do. Women's Appreciation Day. What the? All right. What the hell is it, by the way? Seriously. What is it? It should be 365 days that we are appreciated. (sighs) We make up over half the planet, propagate the human race, and you know. You know, men have something to do with that, too. We've got banks to take care of that now. What have you got? We all disappeared tomorrow. Who takes care of the banks? Who deposits? We've got enough now. We we you don't th- need you. You think so? Yeah, we've got enough. You think that's how it works? I know that's how it works. Actually, I, I know something class. about this myself. And guess what? Those little guys—they don't last forever. They have to be replenished. We could. We're talking about a sperm bank, right? I just want to make sure. Yes, but once we use that, we'll have more. We can make more guys. You can make more guys and then just harvest the sperm. We don't need to do that. We'll just we'll just do it better this time around. You'll just make those guys nicer guys. Mm-hmm. This sounds like the Matrix almost. <laughs> the Matrix. Well, anyway, on this International Woman's Day, um, I understand that there is a very important woman to you, your mother. And actually, she's – do we have that promo yet? While we get it, tell me about your mom. My mom is so smart. And she has the best advice. She's never steered me wrong. And she's just wonderful. She's the best mother I could ever hope for. Anyone could. And she's still alive. Yes, yes, yes. Let's get her on the phone. I want to see this, how good she is at this advice thing. Now we'll get her on the phone. We don't have enough time. Do we have the promo yet? I want to hear this uh, wise woman's voice. All right. So she's uh, not on it. It's just me talking about her. Oh, so we got you. So uh, what's her name? Grace. Nice name. And uh, when did you meet? <laughs> I mean, when, you were, when you were an infant, I guess. So uh, what did she do? Was she a worker? Yes. She's a PR person for an international fiber company. Wow. And she's the one who got you into commercial work, right? Because uh, way back when, you were a child actor. Yes. When I was little, I told her I wanted to be an actress, and she got me a modeling agency. That's pretty cool. Well, a model agent, not an agency. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I wanted an acting agent, but I let that slide. And you were in a TWA commercial? I was in the promos for it. I mean, some of these things happened when I was so little, I don't remember. But I I did it through my teens and all that. Do you realize how lucky you are that you never became an actress? Not really. Oh, my God. Those guys, they have it. I mean, I, I... I admire them, but I would not, I pity them a little bit. That's very, very tough. You know, you're you're in someone else's hands. They tell you exactly what to do, exactly what to say, exactly how to look, and then you wait around for six months to get that opportunity again. It's Sounds terrible. Like modeling. <laughs> modeling is a bit different, isn't it? It's like kind of one and done. Yeah, and less money than Mo- actresses. Well, and the, 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 the A-listers. And what do you call it? The uh, the agents take a lot. They take like twenty percent, don't they? No, fifteen. Uh, that's still too much. That's 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 in my book. That's too much. Oh, here we have you, Jacqueline Carl. Oh my, voice actor, by the way, in addition to news anchor, talking about her mom. Uh, but this is this is all pre-recorded and done, and I think we put some music in it as well. Let's let's listen. 
Today, 77 WABC celebrates International Women's Day, and we're celebrating all day long. I'm Jacqueline Carl, news anchor at 77 WABC Radio. Today, we celebrate International Women's Day. Now, there have been many times when navigating this industry, it's been a little tricky. I owe a great deal to my very savvy mother, who I am extremely close with. She looked for teachable moments before that was even a thing. Every word out of her mouth, I treated as gospel. Now, she's always worked, and all businesses were male-dominated as she worked her way up. What she's taught me about navigating my way through the workplace could and should fill libraries. Her advice and guidance has never, ever steered me wrong, and I listen to her to this day. My mother is, without a doubt, my greatest inspiration. National Women's Day is a reminder to me and hopefully to us all to lift up and support each other every day. If we don't help each other, who will? For 77 WABC, I'm Jacqueline Carl. Today, 77 WABC celebrates wow. International all right. Women's gotcha. Day. Gotcha. Who is she? Who's that? The announce, <laughs> pretty intense announcer, too. Jacqueline Carl. So, uh, all right. Um, now that we're done with the propaganda, let's find out what really went down. With what? <laughs> I'm only really I thought you would. I thought you would. I was born in jail. No, just kidding. <laughs> so, um, no. I mean, all right. Male-dominated industries. Yes. Here's something that I don't think a lot of folks appreciate and is not spoken about, that women often have an advantage in male-dominated industries. Oh, let's hear it. Well, do you find that to be the case? I'd like to hear what your thoughts on it. You brought it up. <laughs> As John Travolta say, you brung it up. Well, I'll say this. Um, most of the places where I've worked, all male management, one exception, the men wanted nothing to do with me, hmm. but they were terribly interested in cultivating young female talent. Oh, well, that's just sounds promising for those young, unsuspecting females. It's a problem for them, but it's also a problem. It was a problem for me. My heart goes out to you. No, Greg. you don't. You don't see that, huh? I get what you're saying, but you know, you're trading one set of problems in for another here. Yeah, I guess. Look, let's face it. Nobody's got it easy. No. And that's fun. That's part of the fun. It is. It's part of the challenge. Yes. All right. All right. Well, I anyway, to go hey, do the news. One more thing. Me too. Is it a net positive or a net negative or neutral? The pendulum always has to swing in the, in the in the far other direction for it to like land in the middle again we haven't landed in the middle yeah we need to get yeah we need to get there but that's what has to happen i have to go all right oh bye we didn't offend you did we no i have to do you gotta oh my god yet get out of here goodbye and i have to go around as well Uh, i gotta go across the street thanks everybody see you tonight at seven o'clock on his x bye this is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.